Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is Expecting Aerials now with the Dijin Network. How's it going, guys? Hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, before we get started, lots going on at Wrap Your Head Around Silks. Um, so many resources for you on the website. A free mini course, a full course, aerial rehab, and roll it out, as well as next year, we're going to do a fully virtual teacher training silks level one. So check the show notes for information on any of that. You can always email me with questions, uh, DM me at we one on Instagram. And uh, just wanted to let you guys know that I'm thinking of you guys for this Christmas season. This is our last pod of 2023. I cannot believe that it is another full year. Things just are whipping by me, but I will be coming at you guys in 2024 in into January, taking a little bit of time to breathe and we'll be right back at it as, as soon as you guys know it. So I hope you guys enjoy your Christmas and Hanukkah and your holiday season. Happy New Year's. And then I'll be back. Today we have Buffy Hayes. She was happily hypermobile in the air, but when she got pregnant, it all hit the fan. She suffered from perinatal carpal tunnel, preeclampsia, and the feeling that her bones were just getting peeled apart as her pregnancy progressed. So she is going to share all of the ups and downs she went through um, in pregnancy. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Let's get started. Uh, Buffy, have we met before? You look very familiar to me. I don't know if we've met before. Um, I was in uh, I was in Virginia for some time, and now I'm in Austin, Texas. So I don't know if you've ever oh been in those areas. God, but... Austin has like you guys have a lot of aerialists out there. Actually, we do, we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know Ruth Wu? I don't know. Okay, how about um? Oh my God, she was just. I had two ladies on the podcast. Just had two ladies. Um, and they're leaving my brain. At least three or four. <laughs> Where do you train? Sky Candy. Yeah, everybody does, right? That's yeah, like the spot. Same. It's the place to go. No joke. It really is. It's oh. amazing. Okay. Um, all right. So, Buffy, you shared your story on the um, Ariel Mamas group. And I saw yes. that and I was like, oh, I should have Buffy on here. So, if you oh, would just thanks. introduce yourself. Uh, a little sure. bit about where you live, your family, your practice, and then we'll start with your pregnancy. If there's a story before your pregnancy, we'll get into all of it. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I started training in 2014 in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, technically Northern Virginia. Um, you know, I started off with pole. And honestly, silks was kind of something uh, that I'd always wanted to do. It was uh, like ever since I was a little girl, I didn't even know what it was called. I just knew it was the girls on the ribbons because uh, I went to Ozfest in like 2003 and I saw them performing on with like a heavy metal band. And I was like, I want to be that when I grow up. I was like 13, by the way, at the time at Ozfest. And uh, I didn't know what it was called, but then became an adult discretionary income was like, oh, dang, there's a place that does it right here. But I was so afraid of failing that I did pull first because it seems to be a theme in my life where I'm like, I am so scared of failing at something. I need really? to like prep myself up. Yeah. Pull is so hard though. How is that like a... Well, I don't know. I, my brain was just like, well, I'm less <laughs> attached to pulls. So let me try that first and see what muscles get fired. And then I'll go to silks. And then honestly, silks just became my absolute dream and love. And uh, I mean, I started performing right away. Um, I have a music and a theater background, so I felt like, you know, it really melded well into into performing. Um, I was in a pole sport organization competition there in Virginia. Uh, well, I did not place or anything. It was, I have my own thoughts about competitions and judging and everything. Um, but then I was part of this uh, troupe called Vaudeville Game Night, and we were like a burlesque uh, troupe that had some uh, different influences of things. I did pole there. I brought stage pole, and it was a yeah video game themed burlesque show that we did, where there was like uh, a music 
there was music, there's a band that played, we had game consoles, and at the end it, it was our our little act, which we called Bonus Round, and it was just a slew of uh, <laughs> of like vaudeville burlesque kind of acts, and you know, I would do a poll, a, a themed poll routine to a, a video game, uh, and it was really, it was really fun. Uh, we had a blast doing that. Um, and then I moved to Austin because uh, I could no longer afford to live in the DC area, and I got a transfer of my job. Found Sky Candy. Um, I really, my whole plan was like, I'm going to start a vaudeville game night here in Austin, and I'm going to do the festival circuits, and everything is is going to be great. And then COVID happened, oh, and that all of that derailed mm. all of that. My progress, of course, everyone's progress stalled out. Then, as much as we tried to do things at home. Um, you know, and all of those ideas and dreams just kind of like went by the wayside. And I finally was getting my strength back. I was finally kind of getting back into the group of things. And then I got pregnant in the early 2022. Uh, so, planned or surprise blessing? It was planned. Okay. So it was planned. You know, okay. we were like, okay, we've moved. We finally built a house. You know, we were able to do that here in Austin. Again, it was impossible to think of doing that in Virginia. And um, we're like, okay, we're, we're, we're ready. And, and it happened pretty quickly. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, my expectations, like I've, I'm a very like a go-getter kind of person. I was like, I'm going to rock this pregnancy. I am going to train all the way through this pregnancy. My body is going to be amazing. And it's funny how your expectations just do not match up to reality, especially when it comes to your body and pregnancy. Um, yeah, so I, I I was already set to perform when I found out I was pregnant. So I, I did end up performing at seven weeks and I was already showing. Um, like I started showing very quickly. I started getting bloating very, very, very fast. And uh, by 11 weeks, I was doing a... Um, open studios practicing and it was like something just switched there was just it was like overnight all of a sudden my body was just saying no 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 like all I could do was climb um if I got into a hip key if I did anything that wrapped around my legs the round ligament pain just destroyed me and it made me feel like like my body was just going to literally come apart and the, all of these signals were in my my body that were just like do not do this do not do this and I was I just kept growing and growing my, my stomach just I mean I blew up and um I realized I I just can't I planned to train you know I had all these ideas like I was gonna train I I I grew up with um, taking classes with other women who were pregnant and farther along. So my idea was like, I'll be able to do that. And um, yeah, it, uh, it, it didn't happen. Were you um, <laughs> suffering from um, morning sickness at all? So that's the thing. I felt so lucky because I was not experiencing uh, any nausea. Okay. I was like, this is great. I'm going to be fine. Uh, no nausea. But then it's just that the physical toll on my body it just not only did I gain all this weight so and very very quickly um I ended up getting the the same thing that you're you you had Hallie on um the carpal tunnel ah I got the carpal tunnel real bad um couldn't sleep at night it was waking me up I couldn't type I couldn't write I play video games couldn't play video games I couldn't even like hold a book without it just going uh, home and shooting pain. I had to dictate all of my emails for work. I had to do voice to text for everything. I just, I, I couldn't use my hands. So, you know, I, I, only thing I could do was, you know, I'm trying to keep my body up is walk, you know, I'm, I'm walking around the neighborhood, but then my hips and my back start going. Um, and the swelling gets really, really bad. And I am just trying to support this belly and my lower back, every time I, and my hips are like, feel like they're spreading apart and just falling to the sides. And I just couldn't get comfortable no matter what I did. And it was a, it was a very uncomfortable pregnancy to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How old are you when you were pregnant? So I got pregnant at 33. Okay. I'm 34 now. About to turn 35. Okay. So 
Do you attribute all of this stuff from water weight or just gaining the, like what, why is it that your bones were having and your nerves were having this issue? Do you know the answer? So I really think it, I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of water, water weight, but also, um, she was really big. Um, and I gained, definitely gained like actual weight as well. The doctors were saying that it had something to do with, as far as the carpal tunnel goes, that she was actually pressing on some nerve inside of my body. Mm. Um, and that there was nothing I could really do to relieve it because, you know, I put my hands up. I, you know, I learned to do like do neck stretches previously, whenever I had like any numbing hand issues and that would always fix it. But this was, it wasn't touching it. Like any kind of thing I did to try to relieve the pain, you know, I I put wrist, the wrist braces at night helped me not to like collapse my wrist and make it worse. Um, But it, it just, barely helped. So I really think it was the swelling, the water weight, um, that really contributed to, to a lot of it. And then as far as like the hips and stuff go, I, I already had an issue and, you know, it's funny how these things, you, you have a medical issue, like I call it a medical issue, pregnancy. Uh, and (laughs) it is, And, and it will highlight some things for you that you did not previously realize that you had issues with, you know, I've, um, I've always had a very bendy back, even from a, a very young age, I could do bridges, I could touch my feet to my head. Uh, I was always the one who could perfect back balances. Like that was always my go-to jam. Like everyone was like, oh, we, she can do the back balances. She's got that. Um, unfortunately, you know, as we see with some of our hypermobile friends in the circus world, that is a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then you have all these other issues. And I found throughout my training, even before pregnancy that, you know, getting my invert when I finally did, it was, it was harder and it was more grueling of a process than I feel like it was for a lot of other people because I had to work against this anterior pelvic tilt that was causing my back to go in. And in order to to flush it back again and truly activate my abs, I had to work like twice as hard uh, and, and learn how to do that. So when I get pregnant and my stomach is out to here, all that did was exacerbate that already existing anterior pelvic tilt in order for me to support the belly that was growing. And again, I grew very fast, very quickly. So it was forever. I get started so soon and just got, kept getting worse. And I'd put on the belly bands and everything and it just barely hit it. So then I'm like trying to walk to help with like the, the weight gain and everything and eat right. Um, but then walking ends up being uh, difficult as well because I can't stay on my feet for very long before feeling like my back and my hips were going to collapse. So it was, it was a rough pregnancy. Um, I will say the good things, the things that I did to combat it that I would suggest for anybody, um, as hard as it was, I committed to prenatal yoga every week on Sunday morning. Uh, even when I felt like my body was broken, I was like, I'm just going to go and sit in child's pose if I have to, whatever it is. And even though my hands couldn't work, I found that if I pushed through that first flow of downward dog, it actually relieved a lot of the symptoms, at least for a little bit so that I could get some movement going and some action. So I would say that that was, that was a great idea. And then beyond that, just that connection with other other uh to be moms you know and just kind of getting that check in every week what I I think was like really really helpful just for my mental health and getting out of the house so I think that helped um Um, and then I also sorry Buffy did did any of your providers have any anything that was helpful yeah so I got referred to a place called Erosti um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like a, it's like a chain of, they do a mix of massage and PT. Okay. And so I started going there and it was tor- a little bit more towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, it was pretty affordable. Uh, I was really surprised. It was like $15 a visit. 
And I went in there and they spent the first part just kind of noting where my pain was and trying to do a little bit of massage and like, you know, point work. And then, um, and then after that, they would give me some PT exercises to do. So I was kind, I was able to work a little bit through some of that. And honestly, between the prenatal yoga and that, I think that's how I survived um, because it would, it just gave me a little bit of the relief I needed to feel like a normal person for even the tiniest amount of time is like really important because just having that consistent pain or that consistent like discomfort can really bring you down. Yeah. Mentally, mentally can bring you down. There's no break. Yeah. There's no break in it. So any break you can provide, I think is, is, is worth it. And, um, that's, that's how I got through was just like, okay, doing this yoga, going to this class, even if I can't do half the poses at some point, and then, went to Erosti to, to get my, my back worked on essentially <laughs> and getting more suggestions on how to sleep. I think I, I slept with like eight different pillows. I've created the nest. I'm like, how can I do this so that I don't feel like I'm slipping back into this back arch or that my hips are just falling all over the place. So, which I know, I mean, that's an issue for everybody during pregnancy. It's you're that relaxing, just like relaxes all of that. man, if you're already hypermobile and then the relaxing comes in and then you gain the weight, it it just, you don't even have to have like a medical degree. That just, it's just a recipe for everything opening, right? Exactly. And that's how it felt. It just felt like my my whole body was just like opening up and nothing was supported anymore. And then it just was pain, just pain. And then of course you can only take like Tylenol while you're (laughs) while you're pregnant and even then there's like studies that are like might not be great so there's just yeah a lot of baths Buffy is there any history of the stuff in your family like your mom pregnant and not at all that's the thing I'm just like my mom had pretty easy pregnancies she doesn't recall anything being like too out of out of the box um nothing and 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 especially in this like anterior pelvic tilt there's only one person in my family that's my aunt jay my mom's sister who has it as well um and they just you know growing up they just called it oh it's an any back you just have an any back and so growing up that's that's what i called it and i used it to my advantage yeah which unfortunately uh you know it did some damage i think i i i think exploiting that flexibility made it worse so yeah. Yeah. I have an anterior pelvic tilt naturally too. And my dad will always say, why are you walking like a duck? <laughs> um, and I deal with it every single day. Like I have to, I have to do the work. Mm-hmm. If I do the work, I'm out of pain, but the tilt is still there. There were some years okay. in there where I felt like I had corrected it and then, and then and then it comes back and then it with comes stress. Back. I mean, sometimes yeah. if you don't think about it for less like a couple of weeks, like yeah. it can come back. Like, and that's, I mean, I'm still dealing with it. That's part of my recovery as well Is you know, um, like I said, there's like, you know, pros and cons to all of this. And uh, I guess like the pros that I learned that this was a more serious problem than I ever realized. And I really needed to, you know, focus on it, especially in my recovery after pregnancy too. Um, and then I got preeclampsia. So, oh goodness, like when in the pregnancy? Uh it was pretty late in the I mean, I was like 30 31 weeks maybe when they diagnosed me. Um I had to do the whole pee in a jug for 24 hours thing, um which was great. And uh and yeah, and I was like one more thing do not add one One more more thing thing. and then you know of course that was my biggest fear because I had so many friends that I got in preeclampsia and a couple of them like had some serious issues in the hospital where like they were like one of them like almost died and so I was like my biggest fear so when I got the diagnosis I was like oh crap so preeclampsia is high blood pressure Mm mm-hmm okay yeah 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 (sighs) okay how does this, because you're still young enough to have a bigger family. <laughs> yeah, what, sure. <laughs> does it, does it make you never want to be pregnant again? I'm going to be honest. I really did not enjoy being pregnant and oh, I yeah. really don't want to be pregnant again. Uh, we've talked about it. You know, we've said, Hey, if it happens, we'd rather it happen like five years from now and have like a big age gap yeah. because that's my husband and I are, our siblings are, are 
further apart in age, and we feel like that uh, aided our our uh, our personal development and how like our relationship with our siblings. We feel like that was a good thing, and then you know we didn't have to deal with our parents didn't have to deal with like two under two or or anything like that. Where it's just like ah, there's just kids upon kids, and and you know actually when. My daughter was really young. We visited my family and my brother. He's got two kids and they're very close in age. And it was a zoo. It was just a zoo. You know, she had just turned, she was over one and he had just turned three and they were just crazy. And my husband and I looked at each other. We're like, we're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I love them to death, but it just seemed like so much work. And so, you know, whatever happens, happens. But, you know, the idea here is if it happens again, it's going to be maybe a little bit further in the future. Cause I, I need my body to, I just need to recover personally. Yeah, and then hopefully amnesia sets in maybe. Well, that's what happens to everybody, right? Right. right. I mean, <laughs> uh, some more than others, the way I'm recording this, I just recorded with a woman who, um, Nicole Harvey, who had three kids and then found Ariel, but I asked her and her kids are older now. And I, well, six, nine and 11. And I asked her about a pregnancy. She's like, they were great. I love being pregnant. I was like, oh my God, the stories on this podcast are so wildly different. They're so different, right? Everyone has such a different experience. Yeah. And I, mean, I just thank God I didn't have any of the nausea because if you added that into the mix, I would have been, uh, I, I don't know where I'd be today. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I did have asylum, a, asylum. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I did have a, a stomach flu while pregnant though. And, and I had to go to the ER for fluids. And that sucked. I was like, if this is anything like people and they have nausea, I, ugh, awful. Well, we just had the actual stomach flu in our household because Bina's three and, or sorry, four, and she's at that age where she's just like, she comes in contact with those germs and her body's like, what do I do with this? It is horrible because mm -hmm. I'm throwing up and she's throwing up and I'm having diarrhea, then she's having diarrhea. You're trying to take care of her, and it's like, I got to take care of myself, too. And... Yeah, and there's not enough <laughs> sheets in the house to put new fresh sheets on the bed. It's just like, oh, my God, there's so many fluids happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then in pregnancy, oh, my God, Buffy. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so uh, was were the stars more friendly to you during the labor? Uh, I wish I could say that. Oh, please tell <laughs> while I wipe the boogers off the snows. Come here. It's okay. My shirt was covered in boogers earlier today. Uh, yeah, but to you can go shirt. ahead and tell your story. Yeah. So I, um, so because of a preeclampsia, they had to induce me. Uh, also she was growing so big. They were like, oh God, I was at like 35 weeks and she was already eight pounds. Wow. So estimated. Now, of course those are estimates. They're never really correct. Um, but he was like, you gotta, you, we gotta get you in for an induction. So I was scheduled for an induction right at 37 weeks. And, uh, I, I actually had to wait an extra day because they, the hospital was full up on beds. And so then I finally, I get in and they, they, they do the induction. Well, I get a Foley balloon and, uh, to the, open up my cervix, most painful experience I've ever had in my life. I'm not going to lie. Really? It was so painful. I, I was just not expecting it. And, uh, there was a lot of blood. It's gross. And then, uh, after that, like I instantly started getting contractions that were horrible. They haven't even given me Pitocin yet. and I'm just sitting there like I'm dying. And they're like, you haven't even dilated, but I'm sitting there with like awful contractions. So I get an epidural before I even get Pitocin. Like it's like at this point, like midnight or something. And they had to do the epidural twice. Uh, it didn't take, and it was so painful. And guess what they had me do? They said, hey, sit on the edge of this bed and bend over so that we can see your spine and make sure you push back. Hey, I have an anterior pelvic tilt, and I'm pregnant, and you're telling me to bend over and push out my spine so you can give me this epidural, and it's already hard for me to do something like that. And I knew they were going to have problems, and sure enough, they did. Had to do it a second time. It was so painful. So that was like the second most painful thing oh. that happened. And I'm sitting there like, okay, well, whatever. I'm getting the Pitocin in the morning. Let's, let me try to sleep. I'm trying to sleep, but every time I go to sleep, uh, I start to snore and the O2 sensor goes off and it keeps waking me up every single time. Oh, goodness. 
and then the, the and then the power goes out in the hospital. So it was kind of a planned power outage because they were renovating, but they didn't expect it to go as long as it did. So I'm still fine. I'm hooked up. There's like emergency lighting, and for some reason the TV is on the emergency thing. So the TV's still on, but the remote control that's wired into the wall. Oh no! Isn't. Oh my god! This is so terrible. Stuck on mute, and it's stuck on. Wonder Woman, actually, which was funny. I was like, Wonder Woman, that's appropriate. And then it moved to Shazam, which was like the worst movie in the world. I was like, this is awful. This is so terrible. And then in the morning, it was NCIS. So I'm looking at like dead bodies and hostage situations. And I can't change, can't change anything. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was hilarious. And then, so then they come in, they give me the Pitocin. And I'm just still not dilating. I have not dilated at all overnight. Uh, I'm the they give me the pitocin, the the contractions ramp up again, and they just get more and more insane. Even though I have the epidural, and I'm pushing that button, like, oh my god, this is terrible. And it was it was a lot. I went through 36 hours of labor, um, and then they said we got to give you a C-section. This is where I was going in my head. I was like, do you end up with a C-section anyway? Yeah, so they were like, you've been on these drugs for too long, your water has been broken, because they broke my water too, to try and get things moving, and so they're like, your water's been broken too long, we got to get you in for a C-section, and at that point, I was just like, do it now, do it now, I feel like I'm dying, like, this is the worst, Um, and so... It was like two in the morning and we go in, I get the C-section. And honestly, that was like, as weird as a C-section is, I I felt so relieved that it was just happening Mm -hmm. because I felt like I was just strung along this whole time. And, you know, they give you the extra drugs there too. And at that point, I'm like, whatever. And I'm literally talking to the anesthesiologist about the show, The Watchers, like the entire time it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And my husband's sitting there just like, uh, how are you just calmly talking about a TV show while you're getting opened up on the table in front of me? Well, because <laughs> you're like, a loopy. This... Yeah, I was like, at this point, what else What else am I going to do? I don't know. There's this guy right here. I'm just going to talk to him. Um, and so, yeah, she, she, was, uh, she was born at 344. She was big. She was eight pounds, two ounces at 37 weeks. So if I had waited... I mean, so it was already, I wasn't sure if she would have made it out anyway. Um, I, I think that the C-section was a good idea overall. Um, she was healthy. Everything was fine. Uh, she did get jaundice and uh, I couldn't breastfeed because of that. I mean, I tried, but I was not supplying enough for her. So she got addicted to formula and, and bottles basically in the hospital. So my breastfeeding journey was unfortunate. I tried to pump and it destroyed my mental health. And I just said, screw it. She's on formula. She likes it. She's used to a bottle. I'm not adding that to the mix of of stress right now. Um, But the recovery from the C-section was, it was rough. Um, Mm. They also said that, you know, I'd mentioned how big I was. They commented when they took her out, they were like, this is the biggest placenta we have ever seen. What? I apparently broke a record at that hospital, <laughs> having just a gigantic placenta, and so that kind of contributed to a lot of it. Um, and I had so much water weight; I lost a lot of weight, but I still, to this day, I've got like twenty-five extra pounds that I've just been trying to get rid of. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a total shift in my, you know, uh, proportions and everything. Mm-hmm. So just like learning to just do things again, it's really tough. And then I'm dealing with the anterior pelvic tilt and all of the, all of the back issues, you know, from all that weight and just like trying to recenter myself. Um, it's just really, it's just really tough to be, to make any kind of movement after when when she was born so it it was a while before I could like get back onto the horse of even thinking about movement and and training but my brain was on it the entire time all I could think of was like I miss the feeling of being on the silks I miss that feeling of like getting a good workout in and 
and feeling proud of myself and proud of my body. And it was just felt gone. I'm not going to lie. I just felt like it was all gone. Um, and it, and it was really hard. Um, yeah. So it took a while. How long, <laughs> uh, how far are you postpartum now? I'm a year, almost 13 months postpartum. Okay. And did you, do you feel like you did an entire grieving process for your aerial practice in the last year? I, I did. Oh, absolutely. Um, it felt kind of like, it kind of felt like COVID all over again. Not And in, 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 in that sense, it was my job. Like I could still practice, you know, do some stuff with my body then to like, at least feel like my body was moving and stuff. But now it was like, all of movement was kind of taken away from me for a while, uh, for a few months at least. And, uh, and that was tough because I just, I, I'm, I love moving and, uh, it was, it was hard. I, I did end up, um, at like my eight, eight weeks, I think it is postpartum appointment. Um, I was like, can I get a referral to PT because my back is so screwed up and I really want to get back on the silks, but I have absolutely no idea how to even begin that journey because I feel so broken. Uh, I, I was just, it was, I felt like I had no, well, you know how it is after you feel like you have no life anymore. Like everything, your whole routine's screwed up. Everything's about your baby. And and that's great. You want it to be all about your baby. And, and, but at the same time, you're like wondering, will I ever get back to any semblance of normalcy and what does that look like? How do I even start? And so I felt like that was the first step was like, okay, let me get a referral to PT. And if I can get to PT at least like once a week, then I can start thinking about how I get back. And when I got there, I, I told them my goals. I was like, look, I want to get back to my aerial practice. These are the muscles I use a lot. I've got this anterior pelvic tilt it's back issues and so it was slow going you know but I will say keeping up with it and seeing the progress is what got me through and it was little pieces of progress you know we're doing exercises that previously were barely a warm-up for me before you know that would barely warm me up but now here I am just trying to lift my leg without using my back and going up like my thighs going up like a few centimeters maybe an inch and they're like good job and I'm like this is a nightmare like I can't even move my leg properly but then the next week sure enough it's like oh I lifted it like an inch and a half and so I just kept on with those small wins you know I think you have to compare yourself to yourself and where you were before and realize that those small wins are still wins for your body I just held on to those because even though it seemed like holistically, I still couldn't see myself getting back on the silks. Um, I, f I could see something happening. I could see my body starting to rebound a little bit until I felt like, okay, I, and, and, you know, now I've got a whole nother thing. I'm holding a bait. I'm lifting her up and out of a crib. So now I've got to learn how do I get up out of a chair without going like this with my back and using my back to get the momentum up. And so little things like that were tweaked. PT was like, hey, use your legs, do this. Um, and and that helped a lot get my body kind of also in that mental space of like, okay, work with your body, work for it and not against it um, kind, of, kind of a thing. So again, PT, highly recommend once you have the, even the ability to get outside of the house, like I didn't even think I could move at all. But they were able to get me to like do the littlest of exercises to make me feel like I had some progress. Well, Buffy, I'm also thinking, uh, I say this all the time on this podcast, the three months after she was born probably was the worst of my life. Yeah. In a way. Oh, yeah. In a way. Yeah. Obviously, I'm so, you know, I wanted her. I'm in, I'm enamored, but, you know, she's the best thing. But when it came to all the other things, it was so hard. And I'm thinking about, you in that space and how the PT is helping, but the, the, the mental load of feeding your kid, of getting the sleep, blah, blah, blah. And then also thinking, well, I'm not getting up out of this chair correctly. So once my baby is done with the bottle, now I have to think about 
how to stabilize my spine before standing up. Like that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I, yeah. I, I, I would agree three months postpartum was probably the hardest part because that's also when I stopped uh, pumping, when I made the decision to stop pumping. Um, cause I had been doing it for the three months and, um, it got to a point where I, you know, okay, you're feeding, put them down. Then you wash all the bottles and all the, the stuff and then you pump and then you have to wash stuff again. And then it's only 20 minutes until they wake up again. And, and I was like, what am I going to eat? I'm shoving snacks into my mouth whenever possible. I'm not even like paying attention to what I'm eating at this point, because I just need to get some energy in me and, and pumping and breastfeeding makes you super hungry. And so I'm just like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta do it. Uh, <laughs> Come here. She's just getting past a cold and we're at the stage where the boogers are not really making more boogers, but they just want to come out and they're sticky. Mm -hmm. Sticky boogers. Yeah. Come here. Would I know like all to, about the sticky would boogers. Would you like to say hi to Buffy and the listeners? No, not today. Okay. Are you good? Can I, I'm almost finished. Okay. I want you. You want me? Okay. Well, you can sit, you can sit here. What a sweetie. Uh, okay, so <laughs> now you've got a one-ish year old. Mm -hmm. How are things currently? Things are 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 getting better, uh, which is what you know inspired me to write that post on that the aerialist, the pregnant aerialist postpartum page, um, because I feel like I'm finally in a place that I didn't think I could ever be in. So you know, I, I had that PT. Um, and then when I finally felt like I could, I actually booked a private lesson with one of the most amazing people in the world, Michelle Francis, uh, here in Austin, uh, she has a PT background. So she really, really understands, uh, the human body and, uh, in relation to aerials and everything else. And she has worked with all kinds of bodies and all kinds of people around the world. So I, uh, I made sure to book with her because I just felt like I, I don't know if I could have really gone back in a private lesson with someone who didn't understand what my body was going through and, and like the limitations I had at the time. And the fact that my, you know, I was fighting against this anterior pelvic tilt and that was like really key. And I really wanted to focus on that more than anything ever because I wasn't really focusing on that prior. And now it became such a glaring issue. And so I, I mean, I spent time with her. I did not do any practice on my own. I did not go to any classes. I would just book time with her and I'd be like, well, let's do what, whatever I can. And I mean, I, I could barely do anything at all. I mean, I, I took a while before I could even get on the silks, you know, and just climb one climb. Uh, but I, eventually I did. You know, and I think, again, it's like those small wins, like I could never have even thought of being in that spot, however many months ago. So I just had to focus on that. Um, and then I had that, I had this moment, you know, I, I finally get into open studio and, and practice on my own. And here I am barely, you know, I'm doing climbs, I'm doing some footlocks and this girl is doing studio right next to me. And she is in the exact same spot that I was prior to pregnancy. I mean, the skill level, everything, all the, all the things that she was executing. I was like, that's me pre-pregnancy. And here I am now, and I can't even do an invert, you know, I barely do an invert on the ground now. Um, but then I, you know, I took a step back. I'm like, I could look at this moment and it could be discouraging. And I could just walk away and cry in my car. Uh, at all the things that I've lost, or I can look at this as like, I'm here on the silks climbing and doing footlocks when just a few months ago, I could, I could barely like even think about doing a push-up, you know? Uh, so I really think it's like down to comparing yourself with yourself as much as you possibly can, because if you compare yourself to other people, you're always going to be disappointed, no matter what, no matter what it is in this world. And then on top of that, I think, you know, finding other things that make you who you are, um, because we said like that loss of identity was, was really hard for me during pregnancy and then post, -pre post immediately postpartum. 
um, you know, identifying as an aerialist, I think you need to have different things. And now I'm a mom, you know, and I really take that seriously. And that's a big part of my life. And I'm okay. You know, I feel like at, at some point we're all going to lose, lose something that makes us who we are. It's just the way life is, whether it's an injury, whether, you know, it's just getting older or, you know, you lose your job. That was your, your identity, whatever it is, it's going to happen eventually. So you really need to find those different things that make you who you are and dive into them and make sure you're multifaceted um, because that's the only way you're going to move forward. You know, that identity shift for me was different because Ariel's my job. And so it's weird. And we've had this conversation in the podcast where people are like, it's different when it's your job. It's almost better because you know that you don't really have a choice unless you want to change your career. Mm -hmm. uh, Buffy, what's your job job? I'm in market research. Okay. So I, yeah, I, I, I'm like do partnerships and I'm a schmoozer. <laughs> You seem like you'd be a good schmoozer, but yeah. So I've heard this from many, um, what I call, you know, advanced hobbyists or, you know, where it's a big part of your life, but it is not where your money comes from. And people have said that it is so scary to go through that because it is a hobby. It's not central financially. And so they, th people think to themselves, it could go away because maybe life will get to the point where I own, am only doing essential things. Mm -hmm. And this, the idea of that is so scary. Whereas for me, and I don't know if you had any of this, it was more about like losing my, my, um, my autonomy in life. It was more yeah. about like not being able to just like go hang out with my friends whenever I want or go take a trip. Now I'm tethered specifically. I'm, I don't feel like that now when she's four, but the first year. Yeah so yeah. much and it was also COVID so but it's like <laughs> but in a way it helped because no one was going anywhere anyway right yeah yeah because no that was like good timing almost actually like good and bad timing <laughs> good and bad because I would have started like at six you know at six months was March 20 what was it 2020 was that the beginning? Yes. March 2020 mm -hmm. was the shutdown. Everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And she was exactly six months old. And, you know, it would have been when I'm starting to take her places in her little, like, backpack and stuff. And it just never happened. And I was yeah. like, well, no one's going anywhere anyway. It's not like I'm missing out. So, like, my fear of missing out wasn't so high. My question to you is, when postpartum did you start those privates with your teacher? Oh, you know, I think it was, it was the summertime. So it was about six months postpartum, I would say. And you had already been doing PT for a couple mm -hmm. months. By so then? it was, yeah. So I started PT, I think it was three months postpartum. And I had about three months of that and then got into the private lessons at six months postpartum. And I just, this past couple of weeks three weeks or so have just started to, to feel comfortable going into open studio and practicing on my own um again and just doing simple simple stuff to get my workout in you know it seems like a schlog when you're in it but from a teacher standpoint I feel like six months progress and then a year out from your birth I feel like of course, it's different because I'm not doing it. And, you know, I've been in PT. It's so tedious. It's so tedious. It's so small, it small wins, small wins, small wins. And, small wins. and it's so, like, time stands still. It feels like time isn't moving. But then from an outsider's perspective, I, I feel like that's really good progress. Like, I feel like that's pretty, pretty fast. Like, I've seen people who are not as mindful and are not as, like, focused on it. And they'll go to yeah. class randomly over four years and still not get like a good invert. Yeah. So, but it's such a different viewpoint from being the person in it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I think it has everyone's so different. Everyone's bodies are so different. It's, it's so hard. You know, there's no one size fits all, all kind of thing, but I think that there's really something that to, to tenacity to, to really 
making it important. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's just like any movement is important for me and in feeling better in general as a person and feeling like, um, I just think, you know, getting those endorphins going in everything, no matter what it is. And knowing that aerials is like my, my, my shining beacon of, of like euphoria is like, okay, I have to get back to that point at some, in some way, shape or form. And if it, even if it means I'm just going to walk down the block and then back, you know, to get my heart rate going and to, to get my body moving again is a win. And really just looking at it, carving it out like that I, as a perspective, no matter what your timeline is, who you is, who you are and what your body is like, just like, I think is really important. And, and that timeline is going to be different for everybody. Right. But, and, and it's so easy to get discouraged to hear other people's stories, you know, like that, that's what it was for me is like, I, I would see these posts sometimes of people like talking about, I'm like, yeah, but you, you got back to your like weight right after. And me, I'm still dealing with this, this extra weight that I feel like is, is really hindering me, like doing everything. Um, but you can't compare it. You have to, you have to just carve things out a little bit at a time and then look back. Okay. Where was I three weeks ago? Where was I a month ago? And even that little bit of progress is progress for you to celebrate. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, and that's just kind of how I, how I approached things. Cause I didn't want to be dejected and fall into this, you know, depression hole that was so easy. And yeah, there were times I've, I've cried and I've just been upset about everything. And I think that you've got to do that, but also you just try to stay on with doing any little thing you can and, and not to take any setback either as like, as, as like you're going backwards and just giving up. Um, I think it's just trying to, trying to keep moving no matter what that is. That's why I, I did, even though I had the carpal tunnel, you know, did the prenatal yoga and, and whatnot, because even just going there and doing a little bit made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. And in the moment, it's so hard to, it, like, it's just so hard to get there to do it because once you do it, you'll feel better. But like, I think a lot of people stop right there, you know? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people oh. just like, fuck it. That's what I yeah. mean. Like yeah. there were times when I was like, I feel like miserable. I got to get up on a Sunday morning, go to prenatal yoga when I feel like absolute crap. Like I slept terribly. My back feels like it's dying. My hips are splaying all over the place. I can't feel my hands, uh, but at least I can feel my hands enough to drive. But which was pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had to drive with one hand sometimes, wow. but that's okay. <laughs> and I was like, I just have to get myself there. And it's sometimes it's just like, you just got to take that little extra step. And then, yeah, once you're there, you do it, right? You do yeah. what you can yeah. and you feel better. You always do. You never, that's why I always try to remind myself too. It's like, you never regret it. No, there's never a yeah. time where you got, get done with a thing, whatever it is, a, a walk down the street, the drive to the yoga place. It was never a time when you're like, man, I really wish I hadn't done that. Like it never happens. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the carpal tunnel, is it gone postpartum? Uh, so it, it lingered for a little while. Uh, it got significantly better once that baby was out of me. I'm not going to lie. Like I just felt the relief, like in the hospital, I was like, my hands, <laughs> but I was still definitely feeling a little bit of tingly and numbness for, for a few months. And then, uh, I still occasionally will get some like random pain that comes up. Um, but it, it's, it's all manageable. And like, I, I do crocheting too. And occasionally when I do like fine movements, like crocheting and knitting, it'll, I'll, I'll feel it, uh, with my fingers, but it's, that's totally fine with me as long as I don't have the sausage fingers that I had before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Buffy, you, I, I'm not, I'm not happy you went through all that, but your story is perfect for this podcast. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> like, it's it. it helps other women because I am sure, I am sure there are many, many women who are going through stuff like this. I mean, Hallie Jane is very similar. Oh, I know. I was listening to her. So I was like, oh my gosh, everything yeah. from the carpal tunnel to the interior pelvic tilt. I'm yeah. like, it's, you know, your body just gets rocked through pregnancy. And it's so hard for you to visualize that it's ever going to be better. 
Um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, nine months really isn't that long of a time. Although when you're in it, it feels like forever. No, that's the thing. When you're in it, it's like it just feels it's like so forever. bad. <laughs> and it's also amazing from a from a uh, editorial standpoint. I'm talking about my stuff now. That yeah. that. Nicole Harvey is coming right before this this podcast because your stories are night and day. It's like <laughs> because she has Crohn's disease and when she was pregnant, it went away. That's something too. Okay. Very funny story. I have IBS and it was really, really bad pre-pregnancy. And what was weird is during pregnancy, all of my triggers were gone. Yeah, I, I had that. Yeah, I had the, some of the same. I was like, this is crazy. How is it that I can now eat these things that I couldn't eat before while I'm pregnant? I expected it to be way worse. And, yeah. and honestly, because of that, I thought I'd have nausea too. And, and it just didn't happen. And then now um, I find that my triggers have changed. Now that I'm postpartum, I've got a little bit of IBS back. But I can now, what's weird, I couldn't eat peas before. Um, peas were a huge trigger for me. I can eat peas now. I can't eat mushrooms though. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having uh, an Italian background, that's really rough too because I what's love What's your mushrooms. symptom when you eat mushrooms? Oh, I, I'm just um, in the bathroom for Got like it. four to five hours. Oh God. <laughs> it's, like it's really a little bad. bit of mushroom or like a lot of mushroom? Any mushrooms. That's so crazy. Any mushrooms. Like that's how IBS is, it, it is for me. It's just like, if I eat a trigger food, I'm going to be regretting it. Wow. Sure. I'm glad we fit that in here. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we fit that in here on the podcast, but all right, Buffy, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you sharing so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. And I was just, I, you know, humbled and, and I'm just happy to, to provide perspective for everyone. It can get better. You just got to keep at it. Thank you so much, Buffy, for carving out the time for us and sharing all about your story. Is uh, so so much stuff happened. So um, I'm sure it will help a lot of the ladies out there who might be going through the same thing. All right, my friends, lots over at Wrap Your Help. Wrap your head around silks.com. Go ahead and go there and check out all the free resources that you could grab and have an amazing holiday. I will see you guys in 2024. I'm I can't believe I'm starting a fourth season. That is bananas to me, but here we are. So if you would please honor me with a five-star rating and a review, check out Digital Podcasts, maybe check out Greener Grass, the podcast I do with Kelly McVeigh. It is so much fun. You learn a lot. And um, if you just want to hear the sound of my voice, if it gives you a calm feeling, hopefully. Um, yeah. Have an amazing time. I'll see you guys next time. Over and out. This is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around the Sex. So this is the expecting your